You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And send us an email or voice memo to LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, Ulysses, I think, hopefully, the next three days could be very fun, entertaining baseball if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan and, quite frankly, a Boston Red Sox fan as well. As Is it fair to say this is maybe the most important or critical series of the season thus far for the Rays? You have the two top teams in the AL East, the Rays at 68 and 44, the Red Sox at 65 and 49, the Rays are rolling. The Red Sox are struggling. This could be a very, very big swing one way or the other in the standings and the ensuing playoff race. Yeah, you, you sweep the Red Sox at Fenway and all of a sudden you got a seven game lead on them. Yeah. That's, that's pretty nice. Even if you, the worst thing can happen you're still one game above them. So you've really gotten yourself in, in, in a good situation here to go into Fenway Park with Luis Patino, the rookie, making his Fenway Park debut. Uh, you're you're giving huge. yourself a good cushion here. Exactly. Uh, it's not a do or die game. So I know to answer your question. No, I don't think it's the most critical one yet because of that cushion. Now, if, if the situation was a one game in or two games and you're like, okay, this is the most mm. important one. But I see the one, the most important one the one that happened at the TROP, which okay. we were at on the Saturday game, because that was a definition of who's top dog, who's number one, and the Rays came out on top. So this one, it's still, of, of course, critical, because yeah. this is the, the the first of the last three series um, right. that, the, that they'll play. Uh, so hopefully a good showing. But no, I don't think it's as critical as the one that, they, that just happened at the TROP. Okay. Maybe it, it might be different viewpoints, for different teams. Maybe for the Rays, this isn't as important of a series as for the Red Sox because mm-hmm. not are not only are you just trying to catch up to the Rays and you know hold water out of the boat, but you've also got a couple other teams on your back yeah. in the Yankees and Blue Jays. In fact, uh those four teams in the AL East all have at least 60 wins. I mean, the Red Sox nearly got swept by the Blue Jays a couple days ago. So they are really, really struggling. You mentioned it. Luis Patino making his major league debut, or well, that's not the the best way to say it, is making his (laughs) debut at Fenway Park. Uh, Wander Franco as well. This can really be, I mean, I would think, I would assume that this is going to be about as close as a playoff-like atmosphere, road-like atmosphere, that these two have seen. In fact, I looked at Luis Patino's 
game logs, and he hasn't even faced the Yankees on the road yet. So this could be, this is a huge opportunity and a huge op, uh, eye opener for both of that, both of those guys, mainly Luis Patino to see how he does with a raucous crowd, big lights, a lot of cameras, a lot of focus on you. I mean, this is a nice little primer for what you could see in October. I think like as a ball player, you kind of collect level ups, like achievements, like little badges. Uh I think one of the important badges as a starting pitcher is have I pitched well at Fenway? Yeah. And, and, you know, and as a young kid, 22, even if it doesn't come out right tonight, uh, which can happen, that that doesn't, you know, stain his Fenway career. But it's certainly nice if he can just feel that pressure off him because uh, it's a tough place to pitch Fenway yeah. Park. I mean, that, that crowd is unforgiving. I remember, I think it was like three years ago in either 2018 or 2019 um, when Yanni Chirinos, I think made his uh, debut there and he went like eight strong with like nine punches. I mean, he looked incredible. <laughs> he kind of uh, gave me Chris Archer vibes, jumping off the mound, like, you know, celebrating his strikeouts. Um, hopefully that's kind of the debut that Patino has today. Uh, he's got the stuff to do it. The Red Sox have been kind of falling lately in the last 15 oh, yeah. games or so before Sunday's game, they were averaging less than three runs. They were at 2.8 runs a game. Uh, this is a team that this, the, the biggest strength was the lineup and it's really not, um, put get, get, getting all, all, all together. And when you look at the bullpen, the bullpen has been a mess too. So uh, this is a team, like you said, it's crumbling down. So this is a time where the Rays need to pounce. I I don't know if, you know, they're going to be averaging three runs a game (laughs) for the next two months, but you really need to kind of shore it up because the the Rays do have the best bullpen in in the league. So they can definitely keep those, you know, bats in check. Yeah. I think uh, the Red Sox, Kyle Schwarber, is out with groin tightness and JD Martinez hit the COVID related IL. So that's a couple blows for them. And I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but the starting rotation, it's starting to show an exhibit that it's been fool's uh, gold all this time. Since the all-star break, the Red Sox starting rotation has a five, five Oh ERA in a four, four, five fit. I mean, we said it a couple months ago, like, do we really trust Eduardo Rodriguez, Nate Eovaldi, Garrett Richards, Nick Pavetta, Martin Perez, and Tanner Hauk to carry the load all season? I mean, you could almost say the same no. thing about the Rays in some, some form or fashion, but it there's at least potential on the Rays rotation where the Red Sox, it's just like, these guys aren't very good at all. They're, there's, but they're somehow finding a way to win until now. Yeah, the difference is that how deep your farm is, and, and yeah. the Rays definitely do, do do have that deep farm, and the Red Sox do not. And again, I'm sorry to you know hunk my own horn, pat my own back here, but I just I I I I, I keep having the same philosophy that I did in March. I do not believe in Red Sox pitching. I do not believe in it, and I think that they're now finally showing who they actually are. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the bats. That's a good lineup, people. That's a really good lineup. Now, that's one through six deep. So I'm not talking about the lineup. It's the arms. I do not believe in the arms. Matt Barnes, uh, Adam Aravino. I think they even put Martin Perez now in the bullpen. Yeah. It's a team that's kind of going through stages. And also, maybe, I don't know if it was a long-term thing that uh, Bloom wanted to do and not like put all his chips in for, for 21 or because they read the, the, the market wrong, but they didn't add an arm. 
and did right. not an arm. And, and, and I had a Kyle Schwarber for, and he's on the IL. Everybody else did something. The Jays did something. The Rays did something. The, the Yankees got Gallo and, and Rizzo and, yeah. and Heaney. Everybody did something except for the Red Sox. And they probably had the biggest flaw, which was their pitching. Yeah, there was an opportunity for the Red Sox to go in because it would have made sense because you have Chris Sale coming back this coming Saturday. And if the Red Sox expect Chris Sale to be the Chris Sale of old or something similar to that, you could legitimately say, all right, let's go out and get Barrios. Let's go out and get Kyle Gibson or pick a name, go out and get Merrill Kelly. And now we have a really good one-two punch and we can figure out the rest in a playoff series later on. And that could ride you through the playoffs. And lo and behold, they don't do enough. And there's a lot of criticism coming towards Bloom's way from fans and media, something he probably never dealt with to the extent nope. in Tampa Bay. And there's some rumors out there. There's some reports out there that the clubhouse, the locker room was a little bit upset that the Rays or that the Red Sox didn't add another arm or two or didn't boost their roster more than adding Kyle Schwarber. And to that, I say, that's kind of a, that, that might be a little reason why the slide here, a little bit of the losing mentality of saying, well, man, we've, we've been pretty lucky to this point. And now you're mm -hmm. going and like, if you're just calling the front office and saying, no, we, we need better players. We need better players. Instead of having confidence in your group. I get it. If you're a fan media member, you say that, but if you're a player, you certainly don't say that, you know, publicly or, or you don't no. say that internally to the point where that message gets spread because then everybody's thinking, well, do they think I'm the guy that's not good enough here? Like that uh -huh. is that it's those things Look, it's, can implode pretty quickly. And we're starting to see it a little bit. Just saying. Isn't that the Yogi Berra uh, saying 90% of the game is physical. The other half is mental. You know, I, I, I'm with Yogi on that one. Uh, it's mental, man. You, you got to start. You keep hearing things. You, you know, everybody's looking around at each other in, in, in the clubhouse. I don't know. I, I feel like since the all-star break, they haven't been the same. And the, 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 the runs per game, the, the runs allowed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like you said, the, since the all-star break, the Red, the Red Sox rotation is uh, almost a 550 array. They, they, they've, they've gone on a record of one in seven. This is this is an ugly rotation right now. So today, Patino, Erod, hopefully good things. Again, it's a lefty. So you yeah. know how we feel about lefties when you're a race fan. But hopefully, adding Nelson Cruz from the right side, Wander Franco from the right side, you can see some pop from those guys. Maybe Mejia gets into it. Maybe Mike Zunino. Maybe Randy know. comes but back for this game too. He might hopefully. be coming off the COVID IL. For all we yeah, know. I don't I mean, think the Rays, as of this recording, I don't think they've made a move since DJ Johnson. Another one, another one. Exactly. CIL. So yeah. it's either if I had to put my bet on it, it'd either be uh, Lewis Head or, or Randy or Rosarina. Uh, speaking of bets, Ulysses, we'll get to that in a second, but we should mention for the rest of the show today and tomorrow, um, we've got a pretty darn fun conversation with Aram Layton, who is. Uh, the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. He's also the host of Locked On Marlins. He also hosts a, another baseball podcast with Jeff Conine. I mean, he is he is really grinding in the baseball media world, but we get a really good evaluation and, and an update on the Rays farm system and some of the risers and fallers of prospects throughout baseball as well. So we'll play part one of that interview for the rest of the show. And we'll run part two uh, later on tomorrow as well. Uh, Ulysses, I've got all that housekeeping aside now. So 
look, I'm just going to put this out here. Uh, I am very confident in the race these next three days, and I'm probably going to put a couple of green Skittles on the race. And I, I, there's got to be a place or an outlet to do that, right, Ulysses, I would think? I got the the perfect place for you, Kevin, to put some green Skittles. That is Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can get all your latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, maybe before Patino's pitch tonight, mm-hmm. go to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. Check out all of that news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines like if you were a Red Sox fan. Don't do that. You're a race fan. You're awesome. So, this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50%, 50%. Use promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. Bet online, your online sports book experts. We are very pleased to be joined by Aram Layton, who is the host of locked on MLB prospects, locked on Marlins and the founder of, of justbaseball.com. Uh, Aram, did I cover all the titles there? Is, is there anything else going on? Anything else you'd like to add? You seem to be a pretty busy man yourself. <laughs> um, no, not much. Honestly, the only other thing I'm really excited about is I just launched a uh, another podcast, but it's part of Just Baseball with uh, Jeff Conine. And uh, twice a week, just talking shop with Jeff Conine. It's uh, called Outside the Box with Jeff Conine. And uh, we've been having a blast. I mean, the stories that he has are unbelievable. Um, he was talking about a crazy, like Phil Nevin brawl the other day. And, uh, just like the kind of stories that you get from nineties baseball. I love, but other than that, now you covered it all. I'm really excited about everything we got going on here. And I am most excited to always talk about the race system. So I'm amped up. Well, as as a race fan, I got to tell you, I'm already excited about that Phil Nevin story because the Rays really don't like Phil Nevin because of the whole barking situation that happens. Oh yeah, that goes back to more recency. So the funny thing about without spoiling the whole thing is uh, Phil Nevin ends up charging the mound because they had some previous issues. He leveled their catcher, uh, Mike Sweeney, a while before, and they're like, okay, we're going to plunk him. But when they plunked him the first time, one of the relievers was out having a smoke uh, in one of the back rooms. And this was like in the nineties. So, you know, you didn't have TV or a phone. So he didn't know that Nevin got plunked. So then he came in the game and plunked him again. And Nevin was like, what the hell? <laughs> so he charged the mound. And um, after the game, the reliever was like, I didn't know we already hit Nevin. That's my bad. Um, oh, so so you just, you oh, don't get those great. kind of stories. And uh, but yeah, so Nevin got hit twice. Um, and there's, there's a video of it. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny, but yeah, that, that, that whole Rays Yankee situation was, uh, was something else. I definitely sided with the Rays on that one. Bill Nevin is definitely a piece of work and yeah. Uh, Aram three podcasts. Now Ulysses and I think we're busy enough doing one <laughs> podcast yeah. and here you are running a baseball website and doing three podcasts. Mm. One of those with, uh, Conine, which is pretty awesome. And yes. as far as the guy, uh, the, the player taking a smoke break, I'm probably wrong on this, but there's only one player I can think of that would be taking a smoke break during a game. And that would be Hideki Arabu. But again, I, I doubt it, Sam. I'm sure there's some others that would uh, be doing that in the nineties, but uh, Arabu was uh, 
notorious for um, his chain smoking there. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's get into the the good stuff here. The, this is what you get on the Locked On Race podcast, and maybe oh, you never know. Uh, you never arms know. podcast as well. Um, okay, and arm, you know the main, the, you know one, one of the re- uh, main reasons that we wanted to have you on today was to get. Uh, some post-trade deadline reaction and uh, updates on some of the prospects in the race system and otherwise. And starting off with that, uh, of course, it was a, a pretty busy trade deadline for the race throughout the last couple of weeks. And um, they acquired some, you know, I, I wouldn't say they're the biggest name prospects of all time or anything, but maybe some interesting prospects uh, by the name of Austin Shenton, Matt Dyer and Calvin Foucher. Uh, I didn't know if you had any evaluation or breakdown of those three and what they may bring to the table for the race. I was really, really surprised to see Seattle part with Austin Shenton. Uh, I'm a big fan of Shenton, and he's a guy that really exploded out on the Cape. Great bat-to-ball skills, solid athlete, but I think now we're starting to see that power creep in a little bit more. He's never going to be a guy that, it's 40 home runs, but I think 25 homers, big doubles guy. I could really see uh, that Nick Castellanos type of uh, production, not reds right now. Nick Castellanos, think about the Tigers where he was hitting a ton of doubles, hitting for a pretty high average and playing decent defense. I think Jensen's going to be more in, in a corner, either in either corner of the outfield or could probably settle in at third base too. I really like his offensive profile. I think he's a super high floor guy, Uh, but, you know, maybe not a perennial all-star, but a definite above average regular that I think will be big league ready by the end of this year, if not by early next year. I'm a big fan of him. That was the one very surprising get for me. And I thought that the Rays specifically targeted him. I'm, I'm not surprised in the regard that the Rays wanted him, more surprised that the Mariners were willing to give him up. But, you know, the Mariners also have maybe the best system in baseball. I'd say the Rays are up there, too, but I'd probably opt Mariners right now. And, uh, you know, the Rays caught up a little bit by stealing Shenton away. And kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, um, do you have any evaluation of Dyer or Foucher? Are they more of kind of throw-ins, depth pieces, and just kind of, hey, we need some, we need some guys in the organization to, to fill things out here? Well, I, I would say that without a doubt, Shenton's the guy that, you know, they're most excited to get, but Matt mm-hmm. Dyer is a fourth round pick, you know, back in 2020. And he's definitely got some intrigue there too. I think with the Rays, they're either going to look at somebody that they think is undervalued in the respect that their production isn't getting enough attention, or they want to snatch them up right before they really start producing. And uh, so far this year, it, it's been a bit of a struggle for Dyer. Uh, He's a college bat. So you'd expect him to have a little bit more success at this point. I don't have much on him other than the fact that he had a very, very good sophomore season and, you know, had that shortened junior season where he struggled and hasn't seemed to get it going at the professional level just yet, but we'll see if a change of scenery does him well, but really the focus I think for, for me is that they were able to get Shenton. And I think you should be excited about that one for sure. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? It doesn't make any sense at all. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer as well. They have everything you could possibly need 
brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to all of your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you to the right place. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. If we if we now change into the biggest trade deadline um, acquisition for the race was Nelson Cruz, but of course, in order to get something of value, you have to give something of value. Um, the race parted with Joe Ryan, Andrew Strotman, um, two big arms in the race farm system. So, I want to get your subjective uh, opinion here with putting your your GM hat on, make it fit real well. Um, was that too high of a value? for a rental like Nelson Cruz? Would you have pulled the trigger? If you're a race fan, are you so happy that you finally got Nelson Cruz? Or as a Twins fan, you're like, holy crap, Nelson Cruz got us these two guys? Where do you stand? I think that those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. I think both can work there. And there was a reason why the Twins took that offer eight days before the deadline. It was because they knew they weren't going to get a better offer. And I think there was a reason why the Rays were willing to make that offer. It's because you had Strotman already on the 40 man, right? And then you had Ryan who was rule five eligible in December. So I think the Rays looked at it like, okay, this is probably, let's say to contextualize it, maybe 10% of an overpay, 15% of an overpay. But for us, it's worth it because we're going to clear up a 40 man roster spot. And then we don't have to worry about another 40 man roster spot in a few months. I think that's the way they looked at it because they have so many pitching prospects that are going to pitch their way into that 40 man roster spot. I'm not sure if Tommy Romero is on the 40 man yet. I I think he's not. No, he is not. So you have guys like that, that I think you're excited about and you expect to be on the 40 man soon. Those other players are a little bit more expendable. I love Joe Ryan, but at the end of the day, Joe Ryan's 25 years old. And I, I think you look at his ceiling and you know that it's it's probably a number three guy. I think he's more likely to be a number four guy, but a really solid and reliable one. Strotman is a solid back end of the rotation type of guy too, with not as much upside. When when you're the Rays and you're looking at a Tommy Romero or some or Taj Bradley or some of those other guys, you can dream on them being a two. Uh, and I think that's where the Rays are at. And so they said we'll give up the high floor guys because we've got more than enough of the pitching prospects. And, and the depth that we have, I think relative to the raise, it was a price easily worth paying and it got the deal done and it, they didn't have to string it along any anymore. And you open up those two 40 man spots. Uh, Arm, there were a lot of players that changed hands at the trade deadline, big name players. And of course, when you do move big name players and money, prospects have to be involved. And a lot of prospects were moved as well over the last couple of days of the trade deadline and throughout it as well. Um, what do you consider the the best prospect that changed hands from one team to another, if you had to pinpoint that? Oof, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I think that, you know, the obvious answer would be Austin Martin, but that one didn't really surprise me because to me, Austin Martin comes with a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I would say if it's a little bit of a cop out, the most surprising prospect, in my opinion, to see get traded was either Simeon Woods Richardson or Pete Crow Armstrong. 
because Austin Martin was a guy that the Blue Jays never really particularly wanted. Uh, They never thought that they were going to have a chance at him. He fell all the way to them at five. I say all the way because there was talks about him at one until Torkelson lit the world on fire and we figured he'd go too. Uh, Austin Martin comes without a position. Uh, He he struggled at shortstop. I think he's going to ultimately try to play center and doesn't hit for much power. I'm not as high on Martin. So I, I would say that Pete Crow Armstrong was the big surprise for me. You trade your first round pick. And I mean, I know he got hurt right away. He looks really good in the handful of games that I saw him crazy athlete. And the last time the Mets traded a first round prep outfielder um, for a deal where they're trying to load up, it didn't work out too well for them. I mean, they gave up Jared Kalnick and I'm not saying that Pete Crow Armstrong is going to be Jared Kalnick, but I think Pete Crow Armstrong has a ton of upside. And I was really surprised to see them trade him for a rental hobby bias that's the one that really puzzled me and surprised me. And then Simeon Woods Richardson is a 20 year old in double a, you could look at the ERA and say, Oh, he's got a five, six ERA, but he's punching out 13 batters per nine as a 20 year old. He's the youngest qualified pitcher in double a. That's not a guy I'm parting with either, especially if you're already giving up Austin Martin. So that package, that tandem of those two players was pretty shocking to me to see Martin and then Simeon Woods Richardson on top of it. That kind of tells me that teams may not value Austin Martin as much as the prospect rankings do if the Blue Jays were required to add SWR to that deal. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I'll say this for Austin Martin. I I think that uh, the Blue Jays, this is totally joking and just throwing crap at the wall, but you can't have uh, uh, two guys with that type of hair on the roster. You know, you can't, there'd be too much confusion over Bo Bichette and Austin Martin. That's the issue you have. That's the big issue, I think. Yeah. And they both can't play shortstop. So (laughs) it's really interesting uh, that, you know, they've got a lot of interesting quality prospects and two with great flow and not really a guy that can play shortstop. So they've got some stuff to figure out there. Um, Okay. So this was a deal that ultimately did not happen, but it was bombshell reporting by Ken Rosenthal with the athletic. And shortly after, I think it was a couple of days ago over the course of the weekend, so forth, or maybe earlier in the week, um, he reported that the Rays were considering a trade for Craig Kimbrell and, or, Chris Bryant and that they had actually were willing to give up some sort of package that involved Kevin Kiermeyer and Tyler glass. Now, believe it or not. However, they were unwilling to part with Wander Franco, Vidal Brujan, Taylor walls, Josh Lowe, and, or Shane Boz in such a deal that never materialized. So Ulysses and I kind of putting two and two together that uh, it looks like those five are untouchable for the race. Um, Arm just kind of getting your natural reaction to this. Do you agree with that? If, if you're the Rays or another franchise, is, is there any circumstance where you absolutely can't or won't give up Franco, Brujan, Walls, Lowe, Boz, et cetera? Well, so I agree with, with some of this. I, the part that kind of got me is that you're okay with trading Brujan, but not, or, or you're not okay with trading Brujan, but you're okay with trading Tyler Glass now. I mean, I, I know you're trying to win right now and, and Glass now may not be back until 2023, mm-hmm. but he's Tyler Glass now. He's going to be fine. He's an, he's an ace. And I, that was just surprising to me. But I, I know the Rays operate a little bit differently there. I just feel like that would be selling a bit low and that's a whole thing. But on the prospect side of things, yeah, no way in hell am I trading Wander Franco. I would not trade Shane Baz ever 
really. Like it would take a a tier one, tier one player. I say ever because it's going to be an untouchable player. So it's like untouchable prospect, untouchable player. Unless somebody's knocking on my door and saying, we'll give you, uh, unless it's maybe Cattell Marte. That's probably the only maybe tradable player that I'd consider it. But Shane Baz, I saw him at the Futures game. This guy is, is a top two, maybe the best pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, it, it's just otherworldly stuff from him. And the command has come along so far. I'm not trading that guy. And, and to me, he, he should be up there like tomorrow. Uh, Josh Lowe has been amazing. I, I wouldn't want to deal him. I don't know if he's untouchable. But mm-hmm. given that Kiermaier is probably not a part of the future after this year, Lowe's probably the guy I'm looking at in center field. Bruhan's the guy I'd be happy to trade. I like hmm. Bruhan, but I feel like if you're keeping both Lowe and Bruhan, it's a bit redundant because Bruhan to me projects as a center fielder. And even if he's not, that's the one guy I'm parting with. Wander, you're not trading Wander Franco. So uh, Bruhan was the one surprise to hear was untouchable or Lowe. Both of them being untouchable is a very big surprise. I figured you'd be able to deal with one of them, but I mean, the Rays were able to attain quite some talent without doing anything that crazy, but I'd be okay dealing one of those two. And I'd probably prefer to keep low, which might be an unpopular opinion. What about, what about Taylor walls? Because there's actually been a lot of reports out there that teams are asking and inquiring about Taylor walls, but the Rays have not been willing to ship him off despite you have, wander and the the other the the bevy of middle infield prospects and so forth i think that's a little bit of a testament to the fact that the rays are hesitant on wander's defense uh i think he can figure it out long term at shortstop but you know let's say he's really kicking it around next year and you don't want him to to have that affect him at the plate and you also don't want to give up a lot of value defensively you can just slide wander somewhere else slide him to second slide him to third it'll be just fine uh, Taylor Walls is, as you know, a phenomenal defender and there's a ton of value there. I actually believe in the stick too. I think he can be an above average hitter and he's a pretty good athlete. I, I wouldn't really want to trade Walls particularly because then who's your shortstop? You traded Willie Adamas away, who is a phenomenal defender. Uh, I don't think he was ever going to do what he's doing in Milwaukee with the Rays. So, you know, right. you, you can't really play that game of like, oh, that you know, why'd we trade him? But I think Taylor Walls is is that obvious sure-handed option at shortstop, which is still incredibly valuable. You can figure the rest out positionally, but I think that's a lot of pressure to put on Wander Franco to make major strides defensively uh, over the course of a couple months, especially as they're going down into a playoff race here and uh, deep into the postseason. Okay, we once again want to thank Aram for the conversation again, part two of that interview will drop on Wednesday's show. That wraps up this edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of the Locked on Bets podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we'll talk to you tomorrow.